You're listening to Politics Weekly. To uh, be big underdogs uh, in the race uh, for the uh, the presidency. One of them is uh, joining me today. We can survive all those systems. What's going to happen if you legalize it completely? Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. Welcome back to Politics Weekly. Uh, we are here this week um, to celebrate uh, the 10,000, uh, the 10K uh, listener uh, listenership for Politics Weekly. Over 10,000 people have listened to the show now. Uh, and to celebrate, we're going to have a roundtable episode uh, with one conservative and one liberal. Uh, that liberal uh, is a uh, former uh, candidate for governor of uh, Kansas and uh, frequent guest on Politics Weekly, Jack Bergeson. Thank you for joining me, Jack. And also uh, we have uh, our co- a conservative here. We have uh, host of the Political Bomb Show podcast, Sean Blyden who's also a frequent guest on Politics Weekly. Thank you for joining me today, Rachel. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, so, uh, first of all, uh get into the news, um, I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about your thoughts on uh, the 2020 presidential election. Um, Jack, I know you... Uh, you you previously have been on our show and you've done election predictions before and you've talked about your predictions for 2020. Do you have any current predictions right now uh, considering the current COVID-19 outbreak? Um, I am, you know, right now, you know, I think it's very early on and this is the very, you know, the release the precedent election I can go back and look at and say this feels like it's going to be like this I feel like it's going to be like that there really is nothing like that this year um, and, and, and we have a you know a unique incumbent president and I, I mean I do think you know there's polling out there that shows Biden doing well but I you know I'm very nervous that that, that will not hold um, you know and I do think also I think one of the biggest predictions I'm making isn't so much on the results of results of November I'm nervous that um uh, I am. I, I have thought that there is a chance that the Democratic convention is held in Milwaukee. That Joe Biden will be replaced by Senator Andrew Cuomo. I think this is large. This could be as this 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 um, thought could be escalated by the current uh, um, the, the current allegations of rape. I think it would be very unwise for the Democratic Party to nominate Joe Biden at this point. You know, I understand he had the will of voters, but this was not being talked about the primaries, and I do not think voters took that into account. Um, and so I do believe that, you know, I believe that um, th- that the party should um, talk to him and see, you know, if, 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 you know, even if he doesn't publicly admit it, if he is willing to withdraw from the race and if he is, and possibly we could figure out some compromise nominee like Gavin Newsom or Andrew Cuomo would not be my first choice, but it would be infinitely better than nominating Joe Biden. Um, and I was willing to accept the will of the voters, but this makes me very, very nervous um, with, with 
that the allegations of rape and be very hypocritical of the Democratic Party of my party to nominate Joe Biden for president. And I and I will find it very hard for myself to vote for him if he is the nominee. Well, before before I move on to Ray Sean, I just want to ask you this real quick, Jack. I know previously on the show um, and just in general, you've expressed support for Bernie Sanders now that the primaries are over. Um, if Joe Biden does end up being the Democratic nominee uh, at the convention, presumably it'll be held in August. Uh, does he have your support? Um, I have yet to decide. I have, you know, I've had many discussions with people and, you know, I, I was, you know, really before this Tara Reid stuff comes out, I was ready to endorse Biden. I was like, he's not my first. He wasn't my second. He wasn't my fourth, but I was ready to do it. And then all the stuff kind of, I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I, Trump needs to go, but I don't know if I can, you know, I, 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 I really, I've never been more conflicted. I did not want to be conflicted. I wanted to, you know, make an easy choice, support the Democratic nominee. Literally, if it was any of the other candidates, I would be right there on their side. Um, but with this stuff, new regulations, I do, I do not think it would be wise for the Democrats to nominate Joe Biden in this situation. All right, so let's move on to Ray Sean. Do you have any specific predictions for the 2020 election, Ray Sean, and how COVID could potentially influence that? Yeah, I just, I feel, I know it's, it's going to be a landslide. There's no doubt. Even if the COVID thing didn't go on, it's going to be a landslide. Joe Biden will never, will never uh, defeat Trump. He's just a gaffe machine. He has a lot, a long laundry list of, of things that will bring him down. So I would love for the love for for Joe Biden to go up against Trump. He'll def is definitely gonna be a bloodbath. I don't if the Democrats try to replace him, it's gonna just create chaos. It's just gonna make a lot of of uh, Democrats angry, especially the Bernie supporters. Some of them are just not gonna go out there and vote at all. And some may even jump party lines and vote for Trump in my opinion. So I say it's a win-win for Trump. Well, let me ask you this, Ray Sean. Right now, um, we just saw a brutal stock market crash. Uh, we're in the midst of a recession. Uh, of course, no, no president in American history has uh, survived a recession. Do you think that the economic uh, circumstances could hurt Trump's chances of a second term? It can, but I don't think it's going to. And I just feel with uh, his trying to help the economy by, you know, stimulus packages, sending that out, and they're thinking about the second round of it. I don't think that it, it can hurt him, but not, not enough to, to not reelect him. I don't think there's no one on the Democrat side that that's going to win. There's just, they're all just horrible. They're worse than Hillary. Um, well, and uh, Jack, um, outside of the presidential race, obviously, uh, control of the U.S. House of Representatives is at stake, as is control of the United States Senate. We know that Republicans would like to get back the House. They'd like to make Kevin McCarthy speaker. Democrats would like to get back the Senate. They'd like to make Chuck Schumer the Senate majority leader. Uh, how do you think uh, the races for Senate and House stand right now? Um, this I feel a little more confident on. I don't think there's. I think there's a little bit less uncertainty. I, I, as a Democrat, do feel good about. I think 
even even if Trump wins re-election, even I think even if he wins re-election handily, I think Democrats can make gains in the Senate. Uh, I don't think Trump will have any coattails. That that I absolutely don't believe. Even if he gets re-elected, I think it, it could be a lot like Reagan '84, um, where or Clinton '96, where the president gets re-elected easily, but that doesn't really have any coattails. Um, even if they had some uh, the first in the first election. Um, um, I think you know we're looking at states like you know my home state of Kansas. Um, we have not elected a Democratic senator since 1932, and um, the Democratic candidate Barbara Boyer, former she's currently in the state legislature, has raised enough money that the state Republican Party is nervous. And I'm I'm reading some correspondence that makes it seem like they want to get a couple of the candidates out and start coalescing support. That tells me they're nervous. And you know Barbara Boyer is actually there's a poll out that has her a couple points ahead. I've seen polls that have Mark Kelly nine points ahead in Arizona. We have we have Governor Kelly and or not Governor Kelly. We have Governor uh, Bullock in Montana running for Senate. He's quite popular. I think we could flip that seat. I uh, you know I think Kentucky and South Carolina. I don't know if Democrats are going to win those, but I think they're going to be competitive, and, and they're not usually all that competitive. Um, I think um, Texas could be competitive as well. I, you know I, those are three states I'm not so sure we're going to win. Um, I'm almost certain, even if. I think I think Colorado and Maine are almost likely Democratic pickups. I do think the Republicans will pick up the Alabama Senate seat. I don't I don't really think there's anything the Democrats can do to save that seat. I think that is almost certain to go to the to the Republicans, regardless of who the Republican candidate is. It'll be interesting to see if Doug Jones can even keep that within ten to twelve points. I'm not even sure he can do that. It's it's he's like a bit of a bloodbath against any candidate who isn't Roy Moore. Um yeah, I think the, the Senate races; those are the ones I'm I'm really key. In Iowa, I, I, there, Iowa could be interesting as long as Greenfield is the nominee. If Greenfield is the nominee, Ernst will win re-election easily. But if the nominee is Woods, I think things could get a little interesting. Um, I, I kind of have some inside contacts on that campaign. I think I think that Iowa could be an interesting Senate race. Um, and I, you know, I think there's a bunch of interesting Senate races this year, um, which most of them, really except for Alabama, are good for Democrats and give Democrats a lot of chances to pick up. So really my goal, if Biden is the nominee, I will not be doing anything in the presidential election, but I will be working to help sure to help make sure that even if Trump is reelected, he does not have a House and Senate willing to work with him. Um, well, let me ask you this. That was going to be my next question. You talk about um... – uh, uh, so you, t- you talk about there not being any Senate coattails for Trump. Um, do you think um, if Donald Trump is reelected, Democrats could not just gain a few seats, but potentially make Chuck Schumer the majority leader in the U.S. Senate, even if Donald Trump wins the presidency? I mean, I, I do think so, um, because I think because I think that some of the states that where we would make those gains are states where people are willing to split tickets, um, like in Iowa, like in Montana, like in Arizona, like in Kansas. Um, those are all states where I do, and I'm, I'm on the ground here in Kansas. I, I do think Democrats could pick up the seat. I think our state is rapidly moving towards the center. You know, like if you look at, you know, it's very interesting. If you look at like a, if you look at like a list of the top 20 educated states in the country, it's like almost the first 17 are democratic states of the 18 is number kansas i think we're rapidly becoming a more educated state rapidly becoming a more democratic state um due to shifts in suburban kansas city and due to shifts in um, other parts of the state as well um so i think you know kansas is really going to be a hot spot 
going into 2020. I don't think Biden would win it, but I do think we could win the Senate race. Sitting in Montana, I think Trump, Trump will obviously crush in Montana, but I think Bullock could win the Senate seat. Uh, so I really think that there's going to be some races where I, th- you know, you know, I think again, Michigan Democrats have the defense. The Republicans do have a good candidate in Mont- in Michigan. Uh, so really, as long as Democrats can hold states like Michigan um, and uh, and you know pick up the obvious Maine and Colorado, as long as we can get a couple of Montana, Arizona, Kansas, North Carolina, so it could be a couple of those we get to the majority, um, which I don't think is too hard. Um, as long you know, because I think people are. We're going to be splitting tickets um, quite a bit this year, more more than in 2016. Um, so I, I do think there is the chance of that. Um, you, t- you tend to see that a lot in presidents reelections, um, or, or it can happen that way. Um, you know, polling seems to be very good for Senate for Senate Democrat for can Democratic candidates for Senate, um, better than for Biden. So I, I do think there seems to be Democratic Senate candidates are running ahead of Biden and almost and, and in the seats where we need to pick up as Democrats. And so it's it's going to be very interesting to see because I mean I am almost certain even if Democrats were not to gain the were not to gain the majority this year, if Trump is reelected, they would almost certainly gain the Senate majority in twenty twenty two. Uh, Marie Sean, what are your thoughts on the current congressional races uh, in terms of control of House, which Republicans want, and control of the Senate, which Democrats would like? I feel as far as the House goes, the, the Democrats are just doing a, a horrible job with Pelosi in there. So I, I could see that flipping back to Republicans. Definitely. I just don't think that it's just they're just going too far. She's allowing the far, far, far left fringe to control the party basically and most americans are are pretty much in the middle in the center so not everyone is way way far to the left or way way far to the right which she's she's allowed the left friends to push the party you know far to the left so i think that that's gonna hurt them and the house can be won back you know could be majority republicans again the senate uh, I, that's kind of uh, I don't know. That's I don't know that it, it'll flip. It'll be a, it'll be close, but definitely I feel that the the house is gonna flip right back to uh, Republicans. And and as far as polls go, I don't I wouldn't put too much stock into polls. We saw the polls polls from from uh, 2016 and look how things turned out. I mean, I, I will say the polls in 2016 were actually mostly within the margin of error. You know, I was sitting there. I knew the day before the election, I thought Hillary was going to pull it out in the narrowest squeaker possible because I was looking, okay, the polls in Michigan showed a close race. Michigan was the only state where didn't show a close race, but nationally, the polls nationally were about right. Hillary did win the popular vote by about 3%. So the national polls were about accurate. They just kind of misrepresented the state the state represented. But, you know, I think you tend to see better polling also for Senate races. You tend to get better polling for Senate races from what I've seen in the past. Um, and sometimes, I, you know, in Kansas, I remember in 2018, the polls actually un- underestimated Democratic support because um, the polls showed Kobach tied the day before the election. Democrats ended up winning that way. We won by about five, six points. Um, so I do think that, you know, I tend to, I tend to, I, presidential polls this early up tend to be a little worthless. But um, I do, but the fact that the fact that Dem- Senate Democrats are running ahead of, of Biden is important. Um, and, and I think gives some optimism for, for, for Senate campaigns, even when it's not there um, for president, for the presidential campaign, which I mean, I think, um, I mean, I do think Biden has no enthusiasm. Well, Trump has decent enthusiasm. So, I mean, I think 
um, it's going to be interesting to see Senate camp, Senate and governor campaigns are going to have to spend more on their outreach and um, get get out the vote than they would usually have to do in a, in a presidential year. Because the top of the ticket, I don't think it's going to be inspiring people to come out like it had for like Obama or for uh, or for Clinton in '96 and '92. Um, I, I think Democrats are going to have to work really hard, the, you know, to get people out for the Senate and governor races. Um, and I think I think we're gonna I think we'd be smart to target that and just target the states that we have competitive races um, for those offices. Um, but yeah, I mean I think it's it's very interesting just to see where where this is going and where the uh, and where the and where the party will and where the where the, where the election will end up. I mean I think I mean I think I would be very shocked if the House slipped. I mean it's it's entirely conceivable. Republicans played really, really good defense, and the Senate managed to keep and managed to hold that majority in the Senate. Um, that is completely possible, and it's way too early to make really decent predictions. But I mean, I would be very shocked if the House flipped, um, even if Trump wins a sizable, sizable victory. Yeah, that would um, that would be very shocking. I mean, there's a few there's a few Democrats I expect to lose, but I don't expect it to be enough to lose the majority. All right, let's jump into the news. Uh, so bad, more bad news in terms of the economy this week. Oil prices slipped to below zero. In addition to that, uh, the country's unemployment rate has now crossed 26 million. Uh, uh, 26 million people have now filed for unemployment claims. Uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start with um, Ray Sean. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, on the economic consequences right now uh, in the country. Yeah, it's there's no good way of spending it. Things are not great at all, and it's most most most. Uh, it's be, basically because of the COVID and places shutting down. So there's really, I honestly I feel like we're just overreacting in a way because. A lot of people, more people are surviving this virus more than the ones that are not. Most people who are dying are like the 70s and 80 plus. So I feel like it's we've really gone overboard with with uh, some of the regulations. Like, for instance, I passed through Connecticut and I'm not allowed to do business without a mask on my face, which is fine. But some people want to even go and push it. A step further, so I feel we're going a little bit overboard, and it's ki- it's killing the economy. I feel like the actual uh, help that we're trying to to do is going to hurt the economy more than the virus itself. So it's a really bad thing, and uh, hopefully it ends soon. I don't know how how you know. I don't know if we're going to get to the stages of where we got to go to lockdown. Like some of my my uh, family members in the British Virgin Islands, they're on total lockdown. So who knows if that's not the next step, total lockdown. But I feel like we need to to lighten up a little bit and let things, you know, let the economy open up again. Um, Jack, what are your thoughts on the unemployment claims? Well, unemployment claims are about as expected. People are listening to health advice, and employers are listening to health advice, and they are sending they're sending all not essential employees home. Um, I think it's it's you know it's it's par for the course, and we need to make sure those claims are filed um, quickly, and make sure people are able to feed their families and and, and such things. Um, 
I do not think we, you know, I think we should be listening to health professionals before we even think about reopening the economy. It's very dangerous what is happening in Georgia currently. Um, and, and their governor's very, very unwise decision to begin reopening that state, even though they are still climbing through the case numbers. You know, I think, you know, the, the earliest states that should even think about reopening are the states on the West Coast that locked down earlier, you know, earlier in March. And they've, they've got California and Washington, they've got it closer to under control. I think those, I've looked at some models, and they are closer to being able to come out of it. Um, you know, Georgia, I was looking at the models. They're not even supposed to be able to come out of it until June. So I think they're very they're very much premature in Georgia. And I think that that's very unwise. And we just need to make sure, you know, I was looking at Canada. You know, they're, they're paying their people $2,000 a month for the rest of this. And like a lot of Western European countries, the government is paying, you know, 70, 80% of unemployed people's wages. I think, we, I think we should have looked at something like that to make sure that people were able to comfortably stay home and not go out and spread the virus. Um, instead, a lot of people here, you know, we have this protest, people going back to work. I'm like, no, we, our government should have done, you know, people would not be doing that if our government had listened or had, had acted earlier and done what a lot of other nations were doing, which has been quite effective. You know, the big snafu with, you know, people getting their checks here, um, their, their, their stimulus checks, you know how long that took, people were complaining. And then I saw in Canada, people were getting them within two days, immediately right in their bank account, no issue. Uh, I think we we got a lot of things when we come out of this to look at um, updating a lot of our infrastructure, things like that. So if we do have the nexus again, we can handle it because I think we've actually learned. Um, we need, I think, honestly, when we come out of this, we need to sit down and have some discussions about um, preparing for it because this will likely not be the last time this happens. Uh, this may become more common. Um, I think we do need to start. Um, we do need to start. Um, we, we need to write, you know, a disaster plan that next time we don't have to do it by the seat of our pants, we can just enact it. Um, we can have a plan for another pandemic or another uh, another um, health crisis um, on varying scales. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is a, a, a trying time for our country, and you know when we come out of it, it'll be it'll be great to see everybody back and to have fun with friends and family. I'm very much looking forward to being able to do those things again. Um, but until until we get to go clear, until it is until we feel until the health professionals feel it's very safe, I'm going to be staying at home as much as possible. Um, anything you want to add, Rayshawn, quickly before we move on to the next story? Not really, just that this this whole COVID thing, I mean, just, I don't feel that, I feel that it was, uh, how could I put it, a biological weapon. I'll just leave it at that. All right. Well, let's move on to the next story. So shifting away from COVID for a second, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about new uh, new allegations uh, or new new updates in the story of allegations uh, against uh, former Vice President Joe Biden, uh, against his former uh, U.S. Senate staffer, uh, Tara Reid. Um, now, uh, a recent uh, video uh, came out um, uh, showing that uh, 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 from 1990. Uh, from from 1993, from the Larry King show, in which a mother called in, um, saying that uh, she, uh, uh, saying that her uh, daughter uh, had been sexually assaulted by a senator, uh, but did not go to the media. Uh, had a t- hard time getting her story out, but did not go to the media uh, out of respect for her uh, boss. Uh, the uh, the interpreter has, uh, uh, has uh, identified. 
identified this as the mother of Tara Reid, uh, who was a staffer for uh, then Delaware Senator Joe Biden. Um, Tara Reid uh, said that she cried when she uh, saying in a Fox News interview that it had been years since she heard her mother's voice. Uh, she also said that she did file a police report uh, in 1993. Uh, she said in a quote, always listen to your mom, always listen to your mom. Um, uh, 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 Jack, what are your, we'll start with you, Jack. What are your thoughts on the updates on the Tara Reid uh, allegation Joe Biden story? You know, I I believe Tara Reid that's why Joe Biden should not be the candidate. He should be replaced at the convention. Uh, I apologize. He should withdraw from the race. Um, and if the statute of limitations has not, he should be held accountable in a court of law. And that's my opinion on it. I don't waver. I'm not partisan on this crap. I, I let, let's let's hear this in a court of law. Um, she seems she's a credible source. It's, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's obviously this feels credible to me and she needs to be looked into. Uh, things, need, things need to go to a court a lot. This needs to be handled um, by that. And Joe Biden should um, withdraw his should be which should withdraw from the race and release his delegates to another candidate. Um, I do not. I'm partly politically because this should not wait on the candidate, but also because a man with these allegations, with these credible allegations, uh, should not be a representative of the Democratic Party, nor should be president of the United States. Ray Sean, what are your thoughts on the new updates in the terror story? Yeah, I pretty much agree with what he's saying here. I, I think that he that he, it should be taken into the court of law, and it's it seems to be very credible. I mean, just look at some of the, the past stories of the creepy things that that Joe that Joe Biden has done. So it's very believable to me. So I think that he's right on that that, that he should withdraw, and uh, they should take this into the court of law. Anything else you want to add quickly before we move on, Jack? Not really. I, I think I think I said all I need to say. All right. Well, with that being said, let's move on to the next story. Uh, so the next story is involving multiple statewide protests uh, throughout the country. Um, uh, this is following protests in Michigan uh, against uh, the stay-at-home order uh, ordered by Governor Gretchen Whitmer there. Um, other states are now following suit in their attempt to uh, in their attempt. Uh, other uh, states are seeing protests uh, involving stay at home orders. Um, one of those states includes Virginia, uh, where people are protesting uh, Ralph Northam's stay at home order. Uh, New York, where Andrew Cuomo has signed a stay at home order for multiple parts of the state. Um as well as other places, uh, such as um, such as Minnesota, um, where um, right now uh, Donald Trump uh, put uh, Donald Trump tweeted out multiple tweets uh, uh, telling uh, uh, that simply read "Liberate Minnesota, Liberate Virginia, and Liberate other states." Uh, Donald Trump was pressed about this at a briefing. Uh, at a COVID, at one of his COVID nineteen briefings, uh, Trump said that he believed, even though he uh, did suggest uh, the fifteen uh, days to slow the spread, which has now been extended since then, he does believe 
that some of the laws put in place by some of the governors uh, went, quote, went a little too far. Um, we'll start with you, Ray Sean. What are your thoughts on the protests and Donald Trump's response? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Just like they've, some of the governors have definitely gone way too far, way overboard. And so I do agree with the protests. I think it should be a case by case by states. Like, for instance, there's a lot of cases in New York. So there should be a little bit more, you know, a, little, a lot more uh, restraint. I mean, restraint there. But as far as other states where it's not as bad and you're just coming down on people staying stay at home, it's just, just way too much. So, I mean, I, I think he, he tweets too much. That's just that's my own thing. He tweets way too much. He shouldn't be tweeting as much as he does. But other than that, I think that it should be a state-by-state decision. And yes, some of the governors are just coming down way too hard. And if if uh, the state doesn't have that many cases of COVID, why are you making the the, the laws so strict? Jack, your thoughts? I largely agree with the governors, and I do, and I think the protesters were reckless. Um, especially, you know, Minnesota, Virginia, and New York all have a high density of cases. Um, you know, we're seeing in states. You know, I you know I go to school in North Dakota, um, and so I've been keeping up to date with how they've been handling. And I watched the governor Doug Burgum's press conference. Um, he has not shut down North Dakota, but I don't think they've needed to. And they have a good they have a good plan in place. And they have some very high. They have some very high, um, some very highly um, esteemed people running their operation up there. Some uh, people in the military. He, he has a he has a good team of people, you know. So this is a partisan thing. He's a conservative Republican governor, but he has really taken the lead. And they have not had to shut down, um, but they have a really strong plan in place. Just because you know it's a it's a fairly rural state. Um, that is, you know, that really only has two or three things places you would call cities. Um, so really, you don't have too much. You don't really have too much um, chances for community transmission like in most other states. Um, so they've been able to kind of really keep it clamped down without an official stay-at-home order. However, I think the sta- I think all the states that have done them need them um, to slow the spread. Like here in Kansas, even though we're far from the worst state. Um, we have a, you know, our order maybe isn't as strong as like some places, um, but it is it is somewhat strict, um, and I and I absolutely support it, and I've been following the guidelines 100 percent because I think it's necessary um, to make sure that our hospitals and our health professionals are not overwhelmed, and and to make sure that we do not spread it because um, I know here in Kansas we've had an issue with it spreading through nursing homes, um, and see this is what scares me um, is not so much. That you know, I you know, I'm not you know, when I go out, I'm not so worried I'm gonna get sick, even though it could affect me. You know, I'm really worried I'm gonna give it to my grandparents or I'm gonna spread it unknowingly to a grandma somewhere. You know, I that's what I'm worried about, and that's why I think these things are so important because you could easily spread it to, to someone in, in interacting in any social situation. Um, so I really think we do need to wait, make sure that that curve is very well on the way down before we even start to reopen places that have closed. Ray Sean, anything you want to add quickly before we move on to the next story? I'm just going to still stick to it's just too strict in some places. What's next? Martial law. All right. Well, let's move on then to the next story. Uh, So Donald Trump has announced that he will suspend 
all immigration for six months um, uh, in his effort uh, to slow the spread of COVID-19. Trump said in a statement, quote, by pausing immigration, we will help put unemployed Americans first in line. He went on uh, first in line for jobs. He went on to say, we must first take care of the American worker. Um, however, his uh, this has been getting uh, some backlash from some of Trump's critics, uh, former U.S. vice president uh, and presumptive Democratic nominee for president in 2020. Joe Biden um, says that uh, it is the right move for the U.S. to screen travelers for covid, um, but uh, pushed back against Trump's uh, order to suspend all immigration, saying in a quote, but it is irrational to refuse, uh, but is, uh, to refuse to focus the full force of the presidency on producing and distributing the number of tests we need to determine all people entering in the U.S., regardless of citizenship status, are carrying COVID-19. And to successfully contain the virus, he went on to say, that's one of the most glaring failures of the president's response and sending inflammatory tweets to try and hide it helps no one. Uh, Jack, what are your thoughts on Trump's order to suspend all immigration for six months? I think it was sim- he simply saw an opportunity to, to rile up his base and he got it. Um, I really don't think this is a necessarily rational position. Um, you know, I think you could come up with a screening protocol for all people entering the United States that would be effective. Um, I do not think this is a reasonable position, even, you know, I don't think any other country has done this, even places that were hit harder. Um, you know, I don't think you have too many people would try and move around right now. So I think this, you know, I don't think you do have all that many people trying to move around right now. So I really think this was just a political ploy, um, but I, cause I do believe we should be open for immigration. Uh, you know, right now, not that many people are coming in, so I don't think we have to worry about it too much. Um, but I think those who do need to immigrate, um, we should we should we should be hospitable. We're America. We should be proud to be hospitable to all people want, who want to come in and take part in our lovely and our wonderful country and uh, help our and support our economy. And I, you know, because part about helping workers, you know, he has, you know, you know, his response has not been kind to workers. You know, we had a we had you know we've had you know. He had the, you know, we had the huge issue, you know, we did not really step up in the stimulus packages. One check of $1,200 per adult, you know, other countries are being doing recurring payments that are much closer to people's incomes. Um, so I really do think that, you know, he and Republicans and Democrats in Congress did not do enough to actually help workers. And so I think it's much bull, much bull crap that he's trying to say, protect workers. But no, he's not, you know, you know, also, you know, a lot of people in essential jobs still don't have masks because he sold them off to China in February. Um, you know, I think he, he can be looked at as reckless in the way he's, um, you know, I get the, the bullcrap about protecting American workers. I think that's absolute bullcrap based on it, based on his actions, not just his words. His actions have proved that he doesn't really care about that. Uh, Rashawn, what are your thoughts on Trump's order to suspend all immigration for six months? Two thumbs up. Liberals are just idiots, honestly. Think about it. Why are you going to accept anyone into the country? that could spread the disease. It's just stupid. You lock the country down and you help kill off the disease. Why in the world would you want to have people, oh yeah, open up the immigration, man. Bring in more COVID. Makes no sense. It's just ridiculous. So no, it's not a political ploy to rally up his base. It makes perfect sense. It's common sense. Why would you want to bring more people in? We just talked about 
about some states, you know, saying stay at home. What, you're going to stay at home and bring in more disease? Come on, that makes no sense at all. It's just stupid and ridiculous. Uh, I mean, absolutely. Anyone, even if they're a U.S. citizen, returning home from abroad, anyone entering the United States, whether it be by car or by airplane, needs to be screened at the border and should not be allowed to enter the United States until a, until a negative test has been attained and you will be turned away at the border if you do have a positive test. I mean, that, that would be the absolute easiest way to do that. And I mean, not, and not many people are trying to come in the U.S. right now, so I, really, I don't think it's a major issue. I do think this, this proclamation does more harm than good in the long term. Um, and and continues to um, really does really does hurt the U.S. long term in terms of people's opinion of the United States, um, and and uh, and we need to and we need to remain friendly. I do not think this was necessary. I think just really outlining protocols and really an urge to definitely uh, an urge for people to stay uh, to stay where they are right now would be very kind. But I do not believe a total lockdown. But you know, a, a total lockdown would be absolutely ridiculous. But you know. You know, there, there are very few planes coming in anyway right now. So, I mean, I don't think you'll have all that much immigration. Um, you know, no, most people were voluntarily choosing not to. And I think this, uh, you know, for the few people that do need to enter the United States, whether they be returning citizens or people who, for whatever reason, had planned to move um, previously, um, I, I do believe they should be allowed to enter the United States. And I do believe that they should just be screened at the border um, until we have this crisis under control. I believe, um, you know, you know, most, you know, same way to stay at home orders, you know, there are exceptions, you know, you can't go out and do this or that. Um, same thing for, you know, immigration. I don't believe a total ban on immigration makes sense. I believe regulations, you know, being very strict and really recommending people don't um, enter the United States um, unless they really have to would make a lot of sense. But I don't, blanket bans almost never make sense and they don't make sense right now. All right. Well, let's move on to the next story. So Donald Trump now facing pushback uh, for a quote he made about disinfectants uh, potentially helping uh, to uh, serve as a treatment for COVID-19 during one of his COVID-19 press briefings. Uh, Trump said in a quote at the uh, at the press briefing, quote, I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that by injection inside or almost a cleaning because you see it gets in the lungs and it does tremendous, uh, a tremendous number of the lungs. Uh, Trump uh, received backlash for this comment. Uh, he uh, backpedaled the, uh, the next day saying in a quote uh, d- during one of his COVID-19 press briefings, quote, I was asking a question sarcastically to reporters like you just to see what would happen, unquote. Rayshawn, what are your thoughts on the controversy involving Trump's quote about disinfectant? Well, before you said that last statement, I was just about to say it's Trump just tweaking, tweaking the, the crazy media who blows everything out of proportion. It's, it was clearly he clearly didn't didn't mean it, to, you know, as far as actually happening. It was something to tweak it. He was being sarcastic. And so he does that a lot. Everyone should know how he is by now. He he says things to to tweak the left and they go crazy and ballistic about it. So I think it was just a case of him tweaking them. All right. Um, What are your thoughts, Jack? I do think he was reckless with this statement. You know, I listened to it actually a couple times because he said, oh, I was joking. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to listen to it. Maybe it's really obvious he's joking. It wasn't. 
you know what? You know, I can sometimes even sometimes even I can even tell when he's joking. That didn't seem like a joke to me. I really think he, I think he, I think that the, the, the claim that he was having that he was joking, I think was a was simply a um was simply a was simply um a way to um a way to uh, kind of lay out responsibility um because he he tends not to have that great of a grasp on science and how things work. Um, so it didn't really shock me. I wasn't annoyed. You know, I mean, I wasn't annoyed because I'm like the president, you know, apparently, you know, I think, that, you know, I did see, um, I did see apparently that a Maryland hotline got a hundred calls from people asking if it was okay uh, to ingest disinfectant. So obviously some people didn't think it was a joke. Obviously there were some people who thought it might work. Um, and the president needs to realize his platform. Um, and I do, you know, I'm not going to say maybe he was joking. Okay. I'll even accept it. Maybe he was joking. He should not have joked about it. I don't think that's something you joke about when you're the president. You know, maybe a comedian could come on and say something like that. And I think people would understand it as a world of a comedian. Um, the president can be funny in certain, you know, certain settings, but I think a press conference um, dealing with a global pandemic is not the time to be cracking jokes. Um, and I believe he should, I believe, especially in times like these, he should sit, stick to the script. I, you know, he doesn't have to at campaign rallies and such things. But I think when giving press conferences, I think that would be the best thing for him. Uh, also for him politically, because he wouldn't have to deal with these gaps. Um, him and Joe, it's going to be very funny saying if him and Joe Biden end up going against each other, because they're about two of the most gap-prone politicians in the modern era. Um, and so it'll be very, very funny to see how they clash one another. Ray Sean, what, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah. There's no one who who's more of a gaff machine than Joe Biden ever, and yeah, I do agree with one point that he said he, the president shouldn't be making jokes at this time with a pandemic. That's the only thing I agree with what he said there. All right, well, let's move on to the next story. Um, so Georgia uh, this uh, this Friday officially reopened for business, but not completely. Uh, social distancing guidelines are still in effect to an extent. However, multiple businesses can now reopen. Uh, right now, um, uh, gyms are reopened, uh, as are hair saloons. Um, uh, diners are also, dining restaurants are also uh, open. However, there are new rules in place. Uh, the um, this order has gotten a lot of criticism uh, from many uh, from many on the left and the right, uh, uh, from many who think that it is too soon. Uh, Dr. Deborah Burks, who is on uh, President Trump's uh, COVID-19 task force, uh, said she disagreed with the decision and thought it was too soon. Uh, President Trump also uh, said that while he does consider, uh, while he does, th- uh, while he does support uh, Governor Brian Kemp, he believes that his decision to open the country as of this time was a bad decision, and made it clear on Twitter after his uh, press briefing that he did not approve uh, of the uh, reopening of the state. Um, uh, many mayors in the state of Georgia have also been pushing back against uh, the planned uh, uh, reopening as well. Uh, we'll start with Jack. What are your thoughts on uh, reopening uh, parts of uh, the businesses in Georgia? You know, I, I think with the large consensus we're seeing from even President Trump to people on the left and with health professionals, I think it's a very easy consensus to say it's too early. Um, 
Georgia still has a large rising case population, even in parts of rural Georgia. Um, I, um, I just think it's much too early. Um, I think actually the guidelines that Georgia has put out will be something to look at for when we actually start reopening places once it becomes safe. I think the guidelines that were actually put out could be something that's could be something that could be looked at and adapted to other states when other states get ready to reopen. Um, but I absolutely do not think that um, Georgia should be opening at this time, and that they should be waiting. And they will likely, I do think, unless unless there's a miracle, I do likely think Georgia will see a spike in cases when hair salons and bowling alleys and those places that the like reopen. Um, it makes transmission much easier, um, and just gives more people more excuse to go out. Um, so I do think things they probably should have waited a couple of weeks because you know I think we're going to start to see hospitals in Georgia start to get overflowed. Rashawn, what are your thoughts on Georgia reopening at this time? Yeah, I, I agree that it's way too early. I know if I lived in Georgia, there's no way I'm going to a gym right now. It's just, it's crazy. It's like suicide. Why would you want to go to a gym now? And, you know, this COVID-19 is still very active and it's we don't have a, a handle on it yet. Why would you want to you know do that to yourself? So I agree that it's way too early to uh, reopen some places, especially like a gym. There's gyms already have enough germs in there as it is. You're just creating a huge problem. All right, uh, Jack, anything you want to add before we move on to the next story? Not really. I think that's a pretty uh, open and shut thing. All right. So uh, a an interview uh, between CNN anchor Anderson Cooper uh, and Las Vegas, Nevada Mayor Carolyn Goodman uh, has been going viral. Uh, the uh, the um, uh, the interview features a uh, a heated discussion between Goodman, who has suggested opening uh, businesses in Las Vegas very soon, um, uh, and uh, Cooper, who moved, who pushed back against that uh, claim in the interview. Um, Goodman has since released an official statement following the interview, which went viral, saying uh, uh, part of what she said in her statement said, quote, I believe all of America loves Las Vegas uh, and wants very much to see her survive. It therefore behooves me to explain to Americans from the other 49 states uh, just how uh, pearlish uh, and unique our situation is. Our hospitality industry does not reopen if our hospitality industry does not open very soon. The Las Vegas, the world knows we uh, uh, and loves simply won't survive. Um, it should be noted that Goodman is neither a Republican or a Democrat. She is an independent. Um, uh, Rashawn, what are your thoughts on uh uh, Carolyn Goodman, uh, Mayor Carolyn Goodman's statement on reopening Las Vegas, Nevada soon. Yeah, I feel the same as Georgia. It shouldn't be reopening. And if they do reopen, the hospitality field is going to die off anyway with when they infect people. So there's no way that I would be going to Las Vegas at this time. So uh, yes, it's going to kill off the economy, but I mean, there's we don't have a choice. You can't have an industry like what they have out there and it's just not safe right now jack what are your thoughts same thing i, I just think it's much too early 
um, even with the best precautions in the world, um, it would not be safe um, to to do, to reopen the hotel. You think about it, those hotels. You think about it. A slot machine probably has a hundred different people touch it every day. Um, absolutely, absolutely not. Um, it just you know think about those chips. Think about the bathrooms. I'm just thinking of all the different things in a casino or even a hotel or a buffet. I mean, just you cannot reopen Las Vegas right now. Um, I, that's about the most. I think that would be the worst possible city to reopen about anywhere in the country because it's just like everything is just right there um you know and i you know I, we could talk about um possible help to the hospitality industry and make sure the whole city of las vegas doesn't go belly up um we'll, you know if we have to but i mean i would do anything to make sure that the, the city of las vegas does not reopen right right now anything else you want to add really quickly Rayshawn? yeah and and don't forget they have legal prostitution that's just going to be a nightmare well, not in Las Vegas, technically. It's actually in other parts of rural Nevada. It is illegal in the city of Las Vegas. In the city of Las Vegas, it does happen in the city of Las Vegas, but it is actually illegal in the city of Las Vegas. Well, with that being said, let's move on to the next story. Uh, so, Congress has officially signed a new re- uh, COVID nineteen relief bill. Um, the bill uh, allocates uh, four hundred and eighty four billion dollars uh, to small businesses. Um, and people who are out of work uh, because of the COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, it finally, uh, after passing through the Senate, it finally passed through the United States House of Representatives. Uh, and Donald Trump, President Trump, has signed it into law. Um, we'll, start with, uh, we'll start with you, Jack. What are your thoughts on Trump signing this bill into law and the House passing it? And- well, I'm going to say with the business relief part of it, it's very important. Um, my family owns a small business, and we, what we, ha- we were very lucky to get in the first in the first batch of in the first batch of um, of for relief funds. Um, and a lot of local, a lot of other local businesses didn't get any because a lot of the major multinational corporations um, ate them up, which was a big issue. Um, where we had a lot of small, you know, small businesses that really had to get some losses. Um, so we were very lucky to get in that first batch, um, and we need and we needed this to make sure other, you know, make sure other small businesses get the chance to survive. Um, because I think that I mean, the small businesses are the, are the backbone of America. Um, and you know we have that and we have other you know other relief funds in there for for, for other means and i think you know it's you know there's more that could be in those bills um that both sides should have fought for but you know they're a good start and we can we can look at more things down the road uh rashawn your thoughts with the uh bill i i i like helping the small businesses as far as people not working because of covid i'm fine with that as long as people on welfare aren't getting anything extra and people who who tend to, you know, weren't, that's in the government system and not working. As long as they don't get anything extra and they got what they got before, then I'm fine with that. Anything you want to add before, quickly before we move on, Jack? Not really. I think, I think we, I think it's just, it's just very important that we make sure everyone gets through this and when we come so that way we're ready to hit the ground running when it's safe to do so and we're, and we're ready to get back to work and get ready to get America moving again. All right. Well, with that being said, let's move on. Uh, North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un is rumored to be dead. Uh, according to some reports, uh, Kim Jong-un uh, may have died after brain surgery. 
Um, if uh, Jung Un uh, were to die, um, then uh, then his sister would take uh, would take place as um, his uh, as his successor uh, as the leader of uh, North Korea. Um, we'll start with uh, Rashawn. What are your thoughts on um, on uh, Kim Jong Un? The rumors of Kim Jong Un's death. Uh, as um, as uh, leader of North Korea. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I tend to try not to follow too many rumors, and I'm not I'm not familiar with his sister, so I don't know if she would be a worse dictator than he is or not. I'd have to, I'd have to do more research on it, but uh, I'm not sure. I would have to look more into it. I don't don't really look too much into rumors unless I see a lot of evidence to back up the rumors. All right. Um, what are your thoughts, uh, Jack? You know, I think due to the very limited nature of official information that we can get out of, out of Korea, um, it's, it's very, it's very likely, um, you know, we don't know, we haven't, you know, I think we would have been here. I think they would, if he was actually okay, I think they would have made a very easy push to push back against the reports. And they, they would have tried to show him doing things and they would have tried to get him back in the spotlight. I think the fact that they haven't done that does show that there is an issue. Um, and that his sister would like, I guess, from what I've read, his sister has will be the will be the person they decide to take over for him um, when he's gone. Um I guess is the decision that the party has made, so there will not be a power bank. Um, so I think there's that. I don't think there's too much to know until we hear officially from from the regime that she has become that she is officially the leader. Um, and so I guess there's it's just not a whole bunch to know. We don't really know. It's hard. It's very hard to get information from North Korea. Okay, quickly, Rashawn, do you want do you have anything to add? Well, I just know that China basically controls what North Korea does so I know a lot of decisions that are made are from China all right well with that being said let's move on so uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo uh, is trying uh, says that uh, China refused uh, the uh, ability uh, for the US to uh, investigate a lab in Wuhan uh, where the uh, COVID-19 allegedly began. Um, Pompeo told Fox News anchor Laura Ingram on Wednesday, quote, even today, the Chinese government hasn't permitted American scientists to go into China, to, to go into not only the Wuhan lab or wherever it needs to go to learn about this virus, to learn about its origins. He went on to say, look, we know it began at one lab, but we need to figure this out. There's an ongoing pandemic. We still don't have the transparency uh, and openness we need uh, in China. Jack, what are your thoughts on uh, this news? Um, I actually had, I've been kind of somewhat lackluster from keeping up with things. Um, so I hadn't actually heard about uh, Mr. Pompeo's comments. Um, if, if they are true, um, but, you know, he's my former congressman, and I don't like him very much. So I, I tend to, you know, I want to. I'm going to try to verify this once we get off the phone call. I'll try to verify if that statement's true. Um, 
if they are, if it is true, I think that that is an issue that the U.S. Um, due to the fact that we do have a large outbreak, I do believe along with, you know, I believe they should allow, you know, China should allow the American, Italian, British, you know, any country that has a large outbreak um, allow, should allow their scientists in and try to, you know, help, you know, try to help them um, look at things that I do, you know, or at least send something to us for us to, for us to analyze. Um, so I do believe that that could be an issue and that needs to be looked at. Um, and that needs to be um, that needs to be something we, if that is true, that is something we need to um, be, something we need to be more ambitious about in trying to um, research. You know, so, you know, if we can find the source, I think that could always that can always help our uh, that can always help our results. Okay, uh, uh, Rashawn, what are your thoughts? It doesn't surprise me that China they're trying to cover this thing up, but they don't want they don't want anyone to find out what actually happened. So. I think this is just a case of them trying to cover things up, and that's why they don't want any. They don't want anyone from the U.S. The scientists coming in there and figuring things out. They don't. They want to cover things up. Uh, all right. Um, anything else you want to add, um, Jack? Before I don't think so. Okay. Uh, so um, right now, uh, the new uh, fundraising. Um, uh, uh, right now, uh, new fundraising numbers in terms of individual donors have come out for both candidates uh, in the 2020 election. Um, and right now, it appears in that category, uh, Trump has a slight advantage over Joe Biden. According uh, to fundraising numbers, uh, uh, Joe Biden was trailing Donald Trump in fundraising numbers by one hundred and fifty seven million dollars. Um, and this was this was just in individual donations, uh, not in terms of super PACs or any of that. Um, uh, I'll start with you, Rayshon. What are your thoughts on the fundraising numbers? I'm surprised that he's he's raised that much because it, it don't seem to be many people excited about him running, actually. So I'm quite surprised that he has that many money, that much money coming in. It's probably from his son's from that uh, deal that he has going on. But I... Well, to, to be clear, th- this money was... Uh, this is not to say that Joe Biden raised $157 he's tr- million. He's trailing Donald Trump by $157 million in terms of donations. That's That that was the story. Right, right. Yeah, I'm surprised that, that, he, that he has any money coming in. I, but honestly, I really want him to be... to be the uh, candidate, though... You know, I I feel that he should be investigated for the allegations, and I prefer to have Bernie in there because we we will know once and for all is the country far that far left that they would they would elect someone like a Bernie Sanders. So I would would love to see him in there, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't think he's gonna survive. Honestly, I don't think he's there's too many things going on with Biden. I don't think he's gonna survive to be the Democratic uh, candidate. Jack, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I do have to say that I fundraising is interesting uh, because in the last in the 2016 election, Hillary Clinton had way more, way more money than Donald Trump. Um, and she still lost. And now the fact that the Democratic candidate is trailing, is now actually trailing Trump. Um, I think 
that actually signifies something else, though, that there is an enthusiasm gap between Trump supporters and Biden supporters. There's a huge enthusiasm gap, which is good for Trump. Um, so really, I do think I think Trump, I think Biden will continue to have issues with fundraising. And I think if he if Biden is elected, which is who knows how that could come out. But I do think that would simply be an anti-Trump vote and it would not be about people will not be voting for Joe Biden as much as they may be voting against Donald Trump. All right, uh, Ray Sean, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I agree. If uh, if Joe Biden is the the candidate for Democrats, uh, some are going to vote against him because they don't like him, and they will help Trump. I mean, I think uh, most most people that I know that are Democrats that don't like Biden, most of them I've talked to were probably planning on voting for the Green Party or something like that. I don't I don't know many people voting for Trump that that are Democrats. Well, let me yeah, ask you this. Well, let me ask you this real quick, Jack. Do you think um, in the last election in 2016, twelve uh, percent? I believe NPR found that twelve percent of Bernie Sanders supporters voted for Donald Trump. Do you think you could see a number that large or potentially larger in the 2020 election? Depends. I and I don't know. I mean, I think if it's Biden, yes, I actually do think that, and not. Because Biden is an infinitely worse candidate than Hillary Clinton for a variety of reasons, especially from a lot of the minds of a lot of Bernie supporters. Um, and I think they're going to have a lot of people. But I do think a lot of them may just vote for um, the Green Party or may skip the presidential ballot line and they go to vote. Um, I, I don't I, I don't think it gets any higher. I really don't. I think it could maybe take up to 15 percent. I don't. I, I, I would be very shocked if it got about 15 percent. Well, with that being said, let's move on. We got two more stories to get through. Uh, So the first one um, is regarding allegations from former Vice President Joe Biden that Donald Trump may try to delay the 2020 presidential election uh, over COVID-19 concerns. Uh, Biden said in a statement, quote, mark my words. I think, and this was in, uh, he said this uh, in uh, remarks during an online fundraiser on Thursday. He says, quote, mark my words. I think he is going to try and kick back the election somehow, come up with some rationale why it can't be held. Um, uh, um, What are your thoughts? I'll start with you, Jack. What are your thoughts on the allegations uh, from Joe Biden that this could happen? I mean, there is no, you know, I think this is, I the way it is, is there's no constitutional mechanism to delay an election. And so I do not think, I think Trump would get even a missed backlash from the right, even if he tried to postpone the election. What I believe should be done um, is, I believe, um, pretty much we should hold the election by mail, and everyone should get a ballot in the mail. Um, you know, like think about like states like Colorado, Washington, Oregon, they do that now. Like you don't even have to ask for it. They just send you a ballot in the mail. There's no actual polling stations. They've done that for years and it's worked beautifully. Um, and if you, the U.S. should give money to fund the states to go to that system um, for at least for this election um, as an emergency precaution. That means, that means you don't have to staff polling stations um, and have people come in contact with voting machines or pens or anything that could transmit the disease like that. Um, you simply fill out a piece of paper and you seal it with water, not saliva. And I think you, 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 you must, you, um, you allow people to vote easily without the risk of transmission. And, I, and of course, 
Um, you would, I think, I think you would have to have vote centers in some rural counties and places that um, that may not have easy access to mail. Um, but you could drastically reduce the number of people that have to vote in person, um, and would drastically reduce the chances of the election causing another uptick of the virus. All right, um, Rayshawn, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that we should uh, vote by mail if in November that it seems like things are still out of control. And I don't think that he would, I think it would, that he wouldn't try to, uh, to change the election. It's just Joe Biden, just, just pulling facts out of thin air, just making things up as he normally does. I don't think that that's going to happen. That's, that's just something that he's making up, but I think that we should do mail ballots. That would be the correct thing to do if things aren't under control by November. Anything else you want to add really quickly, Jack, before we move on to the last I, one? I, I just definitely, definitely think mail ballots are the most important thing for this election um, to ensure that we are able to hold the election um, as prescribed by the Constitution and also able to do it safely. Um, and, um, you know, I think some states, I think there are some states where you have issues with it. Um, constitute, if some states have laws that don't make that easy, uh, but most states, it, it, it could be done. Um, in states where it's not, I think they should meet for emergency legislative sessions and change the law and, um, and, and get it changed. So that way we, um, all, every state can do it by mail. Um, all right. And uh, let's move on to the next to the final story, which is involving updates on Joe Biden's potential running mate in the 2020 presidential uh, election. Uh, so right now, um, Joe Biden uh, is uh, so right now Joe Biden is uh, looking at running mates uh, f- uh, for the 2020 election. So um, uh, one of them uh, that Joe Biden expressed interest in was former First Lady Michelle Obama. Uh, Biden said that uh, uh, if she wanted to, he would pick her as his running mate uh, within an instance, uh, an instant. Um, uh, enough, this is also fueled speculation that he could indeed pick Joe Biden uh, or he could pick Michelle Obama as his running mate. Um, uh, Amy Klobuchar, Minnesota senator, who was also a candidate for president in 2020, uh, also was a guest on Biden's new uh, podcast, which is also fueled speculation that she could be on uh, pace for a, uh, to be his running mate. Um, another candidate is Stacey Abrams, uh, the former uh, minority leader of the Georgia House of Representatives, uh, who was also uh, who made headlines for her run for governor uh, in 2018. Um, she uh, she has said that uh, she believes that Joe Biden should uh, pick a woman of color as his running mate. Uh, and that he would be uh, willing to do the job if asked. Um, Elizabeth Warren also saying that she, uh, Massachusetts senator and former 2020 presidential candidate, also said that she would be willing to do the job if Joe Biden uh, asked her to be his running mate. Uh, what are your, uh, we'll start with Ray Sean. What are your thoughts on this uh these updates on Joe Biden's potential running mate, who do you think it, uh, who do you think it could be? I don't think it's going to be Elizabeth Warren and I don't think it's going to be 
Michelle Obama only because she said that she don't, you know, she didn't want to to run for office. So I don't think it's going to be those two. It could be uh, Stacey Abram. I think it might be her. But again, the Democrats are just playing the 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 woman card. Oh, we have to have a, a woman or a minority on there to appease people. It's just it's just it doesn't make any sense to me. But I said let them keep on doing what they're doing because Donald Trump will have four more years. All right, um, and uh, Jack, what are your thoughts on these uh, updates? Well, assuming he's the nominee, which I think is a big if, but let's say it is. Um, I think the one person that could maybe think, maybe to get me thinking about more for him would be Tammy Baldwin. Um, I really like her. She's somewhat progressive. She's bisexual. She's very interesting. She's very progressive. I like her. She's Wisconsin. The state Democrats absolutely need to win. Um, she has. She's. Um, she's always. She's always been well ahead of most of the Democrats. Like in 2018, when she ran for re-election, she won by 10 points. When Evers only won by one in the governor's race. And so she's always able to do really well. So I think she would be a good choice. Um, I've heard rumors of Whitmer, but I don't think that's going to happen now. So I really think Baldwin or Abrams would make the most sense to me. I don't want, I don't think Klobuchar would be a good choice. Um, it could be Kirsten Cinema. I think would also be a possible option. Um, I think that those are the people I think are more. And I've also heard rumors of Marcia Fudge. Um, Congresswoman from Ohio possibly being the nominee. So I've, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard a lot of different things. Um, Rashawn, uh, anything else you want to add before uh, we wrap up? I don't understand why when he mentioned the the one candidate that he would vote for Biden for, he had to mention her sexuality. What did what does that matter? It matters to me. You know, I I view that. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. I like her voting record, and I like that she's from Wisconsin. Uh, but I, I think it's an interesting fact about her that it would it would be it would be a historic moment um, along with, along with her being the first female vice president. I think those are all things that would be very important and would be important right in the history books. Um, but I mostly it's most my my support from her mostly is because of the way she's voted in the Senate. Right. Um, yeah. I just I just don't think that. It doesn't matter what someone's sexuality is. Just keep that out of politics. That's just my opinion. I, be, I believe, you know, I, you know I, I believe in policy first, but I do believe identity politics can have a role in politics. Well, all right. With that being said, thank you again for joining us. Thank you all listening for over 10,000 listenerships. Before you both leave, uh, do you want to tell, why don't you guys tell people uh, where you can be found on social media? Um, well, we'll start with uh, you, Jack. Do you want to tell people where you can be found on social media? Yes. You can find me on Instagram at Jack Ferguson underscore KS. You can find me on Instagram, just uh, on Twitter. Um, my handle is still Vote Ferguson 18, but you can Google my, you can put on my name in Twitter. You should be able to find me. It's pretty easy. Um, and yeah, those are, those are the only two social medias I check right, really. I, I, I don't tend to check anything else on it often. Um, so yeah, I think that those are two very, very big. Um, those, those are my two ways, and I do respond to DMs if you do want to get in contact. So. Um, and finally, uh, Ray Sean, do you want to tell people where you can be found on social media as well as where people can listen to your podcast, The Political Bomb Show? Right. They can pretty much find everything at politicalbombshow.com, and you have all my social media um, 
links there as well as my podcast. Just go to politicalbombshow.com. All right, gentlemen. Thank you again both for joining me. Stay safe in these times. Thank you Thanks. so much. Have a good day. You too. Both of you. Thanks. Bye. You too. From the creator of Politics Weekly comes a new entertainment podcast examining the biggest new movies available to watch from the comfort of your own home. Home Video Review. New episodes of Home Video Review every Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.